What's up, everybody? Today's guest is Anne Marta Jaoud, and she works as a behavioral consultant, and she's the founder of the Behavior Company since 2006. She specializes in nonverbal communication, influencing others, communication skills, and leadership, and she teaches managers and executives in effective communication, profiling, and influencing others. In addition, Anne lectures at several universities in the Netherlands. At the beginning of our conversation, she shares her background from studying dramatic expression by the means of word and gestures at the School of Arts and how that led to giving a workshop on nonverbal communication. To check out more about Anne Marjoud, you can check out her website, The Behavior Company, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-U-R Company.eu, and read a few of her articles on psychologytoday.com. One of them is called the Helicopter Technique, and the other one is on conducting difficult, difficult interviews or conversations. Also, to gain a better understanding of this podcast, check out the short episode I have, The Purpose of Ebb and Flow, where I clarify what it means, and so you can discern why any guest, especially Anne today, or topic on the show, has something to share for us to live in our own state of flow. Enjoy. Hello, Anne. It's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank, Thank you for Thank you so joining. much. To, to start, I'd really love to hear a little bit about your background and where your inspiration for body language and nonverbal communication arose from. Oh, well, who isn't, I would say, who isn't interested in uh, nonverbal communication and body language? But I think it has to do with my uh, background because I uh, studied, uh, as they call, a dramatic expression through verbal and physical behavior, which is a whole mouthful. <laughs> but um, so it basically it means I'm a director and teacher. And with that knowledge, um, at one point, I was asked to give kind of a workshop on stage presence. And to me, it came very natural because, you know, that's what that they educated me all about, but uh, a lot of people in the business setting didn't know anything about nonverbal communication and behavior. And then I got more interested in the topic because I realized it was a new topic for a lot of people. So that's why I wanted to, well, you could say, spread the word. Did you say you went to school, your, the, like you studied the nonverbals? Yes. Well, it's not just nonverbals because it's uh, the Academy of Arts and so it would be also acting and the voice and lots of, lots of things. Um, but also, you know, how to create a scenery or what kind of costumes you can use. So you could say it's all about uh, behavior in a way. That's really interesting. What what sparked you to gonna go into that? Because that sounds like it's a very powerful to how it transitioned to then um, focus on the body language. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure to be honest. I ha I first when I went to like high school, there was this lady who gave us some workshops on acting, and I was intrigued by that. First, I wanted to be a teacher in the Dutch language because. I'm Dutch and that intrigued me as well. But um, she, she gave us lessons in, in acting. And yeah, I thought that was really 
nice and something different I've never experienced before. And I did, uh, you have to do additions to get um, into the school. So mm. that's what I did. I think that's very cool because how that transitioned, because to be an actor, you really have to, you know, in those auditions to really, I mean, I don't have so much acting experience, <laughs> but you have to really pay attention to the character and the role that you're playing in, which includes, you know, your mannerisms and body language. So then it's exactly. really cool. It's cool how that transitioned to then, like you said, you were giving a, a talk and then from then on, it kind of really took off. Well, during the school time, we were already uh, focused on teaching as well. So that means we were already educated on how to teach or if you work with children in, in dramatic action, uh, acting lessons, how you can help them to transform. And also the direction part is as a director, you always have to help your actor. So I was more on that path than acting itself. I was more on the path on how to create something with behavior. So in a way, for me, it felt natural to transition mm -hmm. to um, teaching and, and, and educate, educating, but I didn't know it would be in the business setting. Interesting. No, it's, I think, wow, I, I didn't know. That. It's so cool because then, <laughs> to, 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 so you were kind of, in a sense, having to observe the other um, actors and, and see their different body language. And then it moved over to the business setting. Yeah, the, it's happened because in, I was asked to give a workshop in a business setting. Mm. And the, the way that, the, that those business people, to make it a bit uh, <laughs> weird, the business people instead of actors, how they responded to the knowledge and the things that were very natural for me that made me become much, much more aware of the uniqueness of this knowledge. And then I remember it so vividly that at that moment I decided, but this is going to be my journey. This is going to be what I want to teach, not to help actors to become better actors or not to create a play as a director, but to help others in businesses to be more aware, to become more aware of their behavior. Wow, that's, that's awesome. So are you strictly or focused solely on the business um, aspect or kind of um, arena? I would say so. Although yeah. business is a big word, it's True. rarely the case that, um, so to say, individuals in a non-business setting ask these kind of questions to become aware of their behavior. But what you do see when you're working with somebody there's always this part that goes to the personal side. Because when you talk about behavior, it's not just the behavior in the business setting. You also talk about, so how do you do this at home? Or mm -hmm. how are you aware when you're with friends? Or is your behavior different in this office setting than it is in, um, in your uh, family, for instance? So it's, it's not fully business, but I always say that the clients are business related. But it could also be... Uh, hospital so you, if, if you call that business yeah yeah cool i think that's a great transition for us to really dive into the importance and the power of nonverbals. so mm -hmm. when it comes to like do you work with the larger audiences like at the different uh 
speaking or, or workshop engagements or do you also have kind of individual clients and then how do you how do you express well first of all what do they come you normally with um, with interest or a desire of help in when it comes to nonverbals and then how do you really help them mm-hmm. build build the nonverbals well to answer your first question it is very diverse so it could be from coaching one person or a session with 300 people where you talk about a specific topic so Mm. that is very uh, broad you could say and the questions usually are not just focused on nonverbal communication but effective behavior so how we help them is first to figure out are you effective and if you're not effective how do you become more effective and of course, nonverbal communication is a very important part of that. Um, but it's what they usually seek if it's not a 300 audience uh, people, uh, like an mm. audience of 300 people. Um, if it's one on one or if it's with a team, then usually the question is how, how can we become more effective or more aware? And sometimes they don't know what is going on and they want us, I want me to analyze the setting. Is that an answer to your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, first of all, I wanted to ask when you're um, giving a, a speech to the larger audiences, are you able to kind of pick on on the different uh, body tells that each, <laughs> each like people in the front row? Um, <laughs> so I have I have a um, a, gr- a great teacher, and she shared with me that she went to um, one of Joe Navarro's uh, speak- speeches many many years ago. And she said that he was kind of just playing fun on picking and, and reading people in the first <laughs> first row. Yeah, Joe Navarro is brilliant at that. He can he can really do that, and, and I try to do it as well um, because it's so great to have an interaction with. Mm-hmm. You can talk about the subject, but the best is if you can show it in the here and now. So I always try to make people aware, like, do you see this happening right now? And also in a team, you can talk about, yes, we're working together and we're so effective. But if you see people slouching or if they're yeah. not interacting with each other or those, kind, those moments are fantastic because you can point out, not in a negative way, but you can point out what's happening in that moment. And that makes it so vivid that everybody understands it. So when you can do that in an audience, that is always great. But you have to be careful not to you know, make it a, a mean thing. And uh-huh. uh, so you have to do it light because else somebody feels very exposed. Like, oh, what am I yeah. doing? But it's, it's, it's fun and, and people like it when you do that. So they forgive you yeah. uh, as well when you speak. Yeah. Well, I remember when we spoke for the first time, you were even pointing out some kind of things that I, <laughs> that I was or wasn't doing. So, but I appreciate yeah. it because it's, it's something, you know, I want to build the skill at. So I imagine with those, with the larger audiences, they too want to build that skill. Do you work with companies? Like when you work with different teams as well, is it often that different team members will converse and be like, wow, I had no idea that's what you really meant because your body language was showing such a different sign? Is that, if that's a clear question. I'm not quite sure that I understand the question. 
when when you were helping with different um, companies, or when you do help with different companies, and I imagine it's it, you're helping the them create better communication and, like you said earlier, effective behavior between the different employees and members of the company. And has there been a um, a, a team or a company that the communication had been kind of off and you really helped them improve it to the point where, you know, some people are, are, are speaking after maybe not speaking or not having such effective communication. And because they're paying more attention to body language now, they are able to f- really understand their other uh, teammate. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the, the, the preface or the premise of the question was because sometimes, you know, the words that I'm saying may be good and dandy or have great intentions, but my body language is showing, you know, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the, the team members probably pick up. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's that's why we come in, and that's amazing if you can help a team doing that. Let me let me start by giving you an example mm-hmm. that wasn't uh, like body language related, but effective communication, which is a very good way of describing it. And this CEO wasn't aware of the long sentences he produced, so to say, and nobody understood him because he wasn't sharp and on point. And he hired me to say, I don't understand. People don't understand me. Can you help me out? So then I am very fortunate to be present during uh, meetings. And I was allowed to do this during the meeting to say, could you rephrase it in a shorter sentence? And he was very open with this. So he did this and his his sentence became shorter and more precise. And here's, here's the intriguing part. Later on, the team members came up to me and they said, oh my goodness, thank you so much because now we understand him. And I asked them, did you ever tell him that he was, you know, communicating with long sentences? And they said, no, we didn't dare to do that. So for me, this was a very, well, striking example on how it wasn't effective. Nobody told him. And then I pointed it out and it became more effective. So that would be the verbal part and nonverbal as well. I have had many examples on managers I coached who said they couldn't connect with their team or their, you know, just in in team settings or just with individuals. And then when I make them more aware on, for instance, eye contact or focusing on the other person instead of taking notes, they realize, oh, I should focus on the other person. I should create comfort for this other person. And they were so focused on themselves that they couldn't create a nice um, setting because of, you know, body language that wasn't focused on somebody else. Very cool. Thanks. Those are, those are awesome examples, especially the one with the, the speaker. He, mm. he was speaking too many, too long of sentences. I feel like that's something that I'm working on. <laughs> well, that's perfect if you reflect upon yourself. I love that when people <laughs> take something on board and they, and they say, oh, could this be me as well? Could this relate to me? And I, I love that way. So you're, I've, I've listened to your other podcasts and I think it's very nice that you always reflect on yourself. You're eager to learn. 
And those are kind of things are very helpful if you want to become effective and, you know, grow. Yeah. Thank you. What, what would you say what are kind of the, the big, when it comes like uh, skills, skills that are part of really building the effective nonverbal and verbal communication. So you mentioned, you know, eye contact, body language when when somebody wants to learn it and become you know effective how do they really break it down okay i want i have these four different areas per se as an example my body language my eye contact which kind of is included in there and the the speaking itself mm -hmm. and mannerisms how do you how do you really break it down to to skills if any Good question. Um, wow, uh, for uh, for topics, I, I would say let's start with awareness first, mm -hmm. because it might be that their behavior is already effective. So then they can come up with this grand idea, like oh, I have to become more effective, but maybe it's already there. So first, I would say start being aware of what what am I doing now, and is this effective? And if not, and then you can scan. Um, you can also say hat to toe, you know, you start with your head and that could be the uh, eye contact and verbalization and mimicry. Then you go to the torso, that would be what do you do with your gestures, how do you do that? Then you can say the legs. So those, there are, lo there are lots of things that you can work on and I would definitely recommend reading books, uh, for instance, the Dictionary of Body Language, then so you know what you can all look at. But I think it starts with awareness because then you can already figure out mm -hmm. um, what, what, is, what, is, what is already happening, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, well, you have to have an idea where you are. Mm -hmm. So, but then here's, a, here's an interesting question I have is, okay, I have a, how do I, or I, I'm aware of my body language. How do mm -hmm. I then paint a picture of what an effective body language looks like. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does make sense. Uh, the problem is <laughs> you're not alone in a, in a conversation. So you can never decide up front, oh, this, this is going to be effective unless you're aware of this other person as well. Because what works for one person might not work for another person. So for instance, if we talk about culture, if we talk about um, certain settings or, or situ situations that you, you cannot say, okay, this is the effective behavior and it's never going to change because what works in one setting doesn't work in the other setting, um, which makes it harder. You, you mm. will see in the long run that when people, we like, um, to feel safe and we like smiles and you know so one of the things we say is okay um, a smile on your face is effective um, you know making contact with this other person having an, uh, an open like open body language is helpful nodding is helpful tilting the head all those kind of things uh -huh. do show comfort for the other person but if you say, oh, we're in, a, in, a, in an aggressive set, setting, then I would not use that kind of behavior because that's not effective. 
So it depends on where you are and who you're with to mm -hmm. say, okay, this is effective body language. Yeah, I love how you brought in the different kind of needs as well, because, you know, we, as, as humans, we really have what I think I learned in um, different lessons I had that we have three core needs as humans, which is to be seen, loved, and heard. Mm -hmm. And really what, you know, what we give, well, we give what we want to receive in a sense, because, you know, like we've all heard the different saying, like the, everything outside of us is a mirror. So in order to kind of receive, you know, great body language or, or happiness from another person, I too have to uh, present that. And that's what, that's really what I love so much about body language, because you are, you can, you're not only are you a mirror for the other person, but the other, the people that when you begin observing other people in their body language, it can, it's good feedback for yourself. Well, how, what am I sending out to this other person that is, is causing them perhaps to, to feel uh, discomfort or threatened? It may not have anything to do with me, but, uh, you know, I'd like to take this as a transition to really, um, how paying attention to nonverbals can really help us achieve achieve really our own are these kind of needs these human needs and help others with their own mm -hmm. great yeah I, I so I, I love it that you say how can you help others and everybody has different needs and the fact that you are willing to reflect on yourself like what am I sending out is brilliant because a lot of people do not do that they're just focused on the other person and the other person has to change you know all these kind of forced ideas on body language that they want to influence the other person and what I love about what you just said is that it's also about you what can you do um, to create comfort for that other person but sometimes also for yourself mm -hmm. because if somebody is is focused on you and, and when we talk about audiences what we just did sometimes in the audience people look at you in a certain way that might be perceived as discomfort and if that has a specific effect on me or if I let them get to me so to say that is not always helpful uh -huh. so it's also intriguing what does the other person you know what, what something uh, extrinsic happens and how do you transfer that intrinsic and it's the other way around as well so if I feel discomfort it might show it and that might affect the other person as well so if you are aware of that system um, the comfort and discomfort paradigm, so to say, as Joan Avera talks about a lot, that, that is really helpful when it comes to helping others and helping yourself. Wow. In, uh, in, I remember listening to one of the interviews that you showed up. I think it was the one with you and you, Tarek and uh, Joe. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned that it was you or one of them that mentioned that a lot of people when they ask you about bilanguage, they immediately want to know how to detect deception, <laughs> which, which shows you guys, I'm sure. And it, it brings up an inquiry in myself um, that, okay, that they, they're looking for some kind of fear. There's some level of fear. So how can, how do you really improve that, uh, that person's, well, that's hard to put into a question, but, 
how can how can awareness of the nonverbal communication really teach us about ourselves? Because there's also a difference between being alert and vigilant, where you're perceiving perhaps a fear in your environment, or and a difference between that and observance, which is simply you know calm. I like to say benign vig vigilance. If you talk about real fear, um, as Gavin Becker talks about, that is something else. You know, we, we all have these moments where we like really have to be alert and our body tells us it's, you know, the, the hair stand up, uh, your, your stomach hurts, all those kind of settings. So that, that's a really intense fear you should not ignore that is that is your body picks up on this and then if people are interested in that i would definitely recommend to read the gift of fear i think if we talk about the the need for people to uh like uh, how can we detect deception i think it has to do with control we want to control things and we can't because as uh, Dr. Mark Frank said, there is no Pinocchio effect. And that is really something people look for. I think it has to do with control. And if you can realize that there's sometimes there is no control and the people and even yourself. So there is no Pinocchio effect. And I think that people always want to have control. But if you realize that that's not possible, then the fear as you say, will drop and you can just see the situation as it is and you don't have to, you can just trust what's going on and you can trust yourself or you can ask questions instead of, you know, trying to observe what this person is showing and what they're doing. It's letting go a bit and, and trusting yeah. the fact that you can pick up on signals, uh, but doesn't have to mean everything. Mm-hmm. You're not uh, judging really the the sign you pick up on. You're just simply aware of it. Yeah, you're observing, and if you think, hmm, "What is going on?" I'm a I'm a firm believer in asking questions because if you ask questions multiple times, and if you observe, as we would say, the baseline, or if you would observe how people are under stress, then you can get so much information. And that is helpful. And you can never, never see, as we would say, oh, is this behavior the, mm -hmm. the Pinocchio effect? No, it's not that. All right. <laughs> can, we, can we move a little bit to um, different ways that we can, how we can observe others and ourselves a little bit more? Which, what practices you, um, you started to really improve the nonverbals and by uh, and observing body language yourself what well, we kind of mentioned before um we started recording one of the things i do recommend if people really want to become aware of themselves is and they probably don't like it but to film and record yourself uh, because that will show you a lot how you behave in certain settings um of course, these days, Zoom or Google Meet, so all these online videos um, could help you on becoming more aware of your own body language because we, we don't usually see ourselves talking or we're not very 
focused on that. We're mostly focused on the other person, looking at the other person. So these days, online sessions, you can record them. Um, or when you're talking, you can use your computer kind of as a mirror to become aware of that. If not, so for instance, in the old days, <laughs> we didn't use all these uh, online settings. You can literally also go back in your mind to a specific conversation, you know, driving back in your car and just thinking about how did I do that? What did I say? What did I do with my hands? You can, you can even kind of go back in time and think about why, why was I sitting like that? And that is always helpful just to, you know, go, go back in that certain mm -hmm. setting. Yeah. I like the different questions for sure. And journaling it down, getting clear on how, how do you want also the getting clear on the, the, the way that you want to be able to present yourself to. Yeah. And what you can also do, which is very helpful is ask others. If you really want to become aware of yourself, ask for feedback. How do I come across? What do you think is very remarkable on how I present myself? What do you like about my behavior? What do you think is too much or what should I do less? And a lot of people do not do this, but it's so helpful. And not as a like truth seeker, but because it's still the perception that they have. Mm. Thank you. But to collect data, so to say. So mm. if you say, Anne, I don't like you. <laughs> Sorry, Solomon. But, uh, you know, it, it, I could ask you why. What is the case? What do I do? And if somebody else says, oh, I like you, you well, a bit weird, but you know what I mean. You collect data. And if a lot of people say, um, oh, this is distracting or you could improve on this, that could help you on maybe changing it. Yeah, I, I love that last part you brought up because it's, it's gaining data, it's getting feedback, but you also want it you know, just one person is only one perception. It reminds me of this funny, uh, I think it's a quote or saying, I don't remember who said it, but it said, if one person tells you you're a horse, they're crazy. If three people tell you you're a horse, there's um, something amok. But if 10 people tell you, uh, you you're a horse, it's time to buy a saddle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Exactly. And maybe 10 could be in on this. So you can always say, oh, maybe you need 100. Because <laughs> what if they just, if the 10 people can make this idea like, oh, let's like trick him into thinking he's a horse. Oh, but I like the idea. The more people <laughs> say it, the more times you, you can, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good thing to collect data multiple times. And also who says it? Because, um, it's always important that if you have certain people who say things, they they know you very well, and, and then you know, okay, only one person said it, but I, I think he's right or she's right because they know me so well and mm. they've observed me. Or the other way around, you know, if somebody says it, you're like, oh, I've never heard this before. It could be very specific information from one person that is very helpful. Interesting. Well, I think from there we can really transition to one um, article you wrote of the helicopter technique and you use that with uh, different clients. And when you were mentioning, we were talking a little bit about increasing self-awareness and you know, reflecting and asking one questions, does a helicopter technique assist with that as well? 
Yes, definitely. Um, some I like what you said earlier, like the bird's eye, bird's eye view. It, it's kind of what a helicopter does. Why I like the helicopter metaphor is that it's so much more than just the bird's eye view mm -hmm. because a helicopter, you can also land it or because we use it as a metaphor and you can, you know, get out of the scenery or zoom into details or just hover for a while and be quiet. And what I've tried to do with creating that metaphor is to, to make people realize it's not, not just being in a conversation and having a conversation. There's so many things you can do. And if you use this metaphor, or I'm teaching people to how to use this, then they realize, oh, wait a minute. Just by being silent, I can already become more aware of what's going on, mm. you know. And if, if they're so, sometimes they're so into the conversation that they fully lose focus. And if you just say, okay, maybe you should zoom out a bit or ask questions instead of just talking, talking, talking. Maybe if you ask a question once, uh, those kind of things. So I would, I would really recommend it, people using this as if, if they want to become more aware of themselves and if they want to become more aware of others, because it also helps to reflect on others. Yeah, I'll put a link uh, to the different articles that you've written, but I love the different, so I have the article with me and I love the different, how you break it down really into, Thank you. you know, explaining the different uh, qualities really of a, um, have a helicopter, so like the hovering. Yep. I, th I thought that was so cool because you can just stay stay in one place virtually motionless as you yep. wrote, which is really cool. And then, you know, I think perhaps it's been, it's challenging for some of us because you, know, you really also have to get comfortable to be able to just be silent. <laughs> Exactly. It, it is. That's what is why it's difficult all the time when we, when we become aware or when we want to change our behavior. It has to do with doing something different if you want to. And that is always uncomfortable because, as we all say, we like this little box of comfort. But if you step out of this zone, you have to try things. And that's one of the things that, that I do with my clients, always give them assignments that literally is something with changing the behavior and then reflect upon it. So what people could do, what they can take away some, from this topic maybe, is try something out. So the next time you have a conversation, just try to be silent for maybe 20 seconds, and that might feel super weird. Yeah. But then you can see, oh, what's, what is the effect? And of course you have to think about setting and if it's the right place and time to do this. But doing something different than you're mm -hmm. used to already gives you, again, this word, gives you new data to work with. And that's, that's scary sometimes, yeah. Yeah, wow. I love that. And definitely that um, in, in my own experiences, when perhaps I'm in a conversation and the other person is very heated or argumentative, I can really just hold a space and kind of just be a, a soundboard so I don't take any of the words in, but it's, it, you notice that just being silent and allowing the person to kind of just really let it all out, that they, then it in turn begins to soothe them, to calm them down. Exactly. People like to, when they're in an emotional setting, when we talk about effectiveness, it can be very effective to just let them vent, just let them say what they want to say and 
I think when you say that you can see the effect of them, that your body language is also soothing them as well. If you would have furrowed eyebrows and look at them directly in a bit aggressive way, I think it will not help them. <laughs> so it might not just be the silent, but also the way you hold yourself or the way you calm yourself and, and give them space and room to vent. So it's probably all of the things combined. And that's, that's why it's always good to, to look at the whole behavior. Um, so probably you're doing that in a very good way. Cool. All right, Anne, I really enjoyed this. And I, I think that my number one takeaway would have to be the asking question, asking others really how, you know, how I come across and like, I think the part that you brought up about the getting many different people, getting the feedback, getting different data points is the best bet because you don't just, just one person is only one perspective. Um, but can we, how about, can you share three tips on observing others and observing oneself in, in these different contexts of, you know, maybe making a decision and getting clear on, you know, listening to oneself. I think body language can, can be very helpful with, um, with individuals in that context as well. If I think about the, the things that people can do, I'm, I'm glad you pick up on asking questions. I think that's the most important thing. And to add a little bit on that, to ask why you are perceived in a specific way. So sometimes people say, yes, I really like you. Okay, but why? What is the behavior? Could you describe what it is? Or if they say, I don't like what you're doing, or I didn't like that part of your presentation. Okay, why was that specifically? So one tip would be asking questions. The other one would be trying to get it as specific as possible. Also for yourself, if you're not happy with something you did, don't make it too broad like oh i wasn't happy with that presentation why why specifically and sometimes to analyze that is one of the best um things to realize what it is and then you can start improving and the improving part that would be the third tip is just try it out and that is scary but you can ask others to help you to kind of give you this little nudge during a meeting, for instance, you know, if you're scared to ask questions, uh, ask somebody else to lead the way to say, well, Solomon, what do you think? And then you have to uh, do something. So you can also, uh, sorry, you can uh, uh, exercise, help yourself in these kind of things, but also ask help from others. Oh, wonderful. Definitely like the clarity getting clear and then the purpose or the reason why behind the, behind the answer. Wow. Mm -hmm. You are really somebody who reflects on, on himself. And the fact that you do that is so really like when people do that, because usually they just want to influence others. And um, you just look at how to improve and, and how to become better. And I think that's really remarkable. Thank you so much. I, th I think when we are able to Im improve ourselves and become more aware and clear on how do we want to portray ourselves to others, you know, authentically, of course, that 
I mean, that is the best way to influence the other person or other people. And, exactly. and it's genuine. It's not, you know, you, you want to empower the other person to be able to do the same. I think I love the words authentically and genuine are so important when we talk about all of this. Because mm -hmm. usually people want tips and tricks. How can I do this? What mm -hmm. is the most effective way? There is no most effective way because you have to work with the other person, but mostly it's about yourself. And if you realize the whole scala of behavior that you can show uh, in a genuine way, but also in a you know, positive way and in, in different way sometimes, that is, that's really helpful. But it, there's no one, no one behavior or no one part or tip or trick and um, if you if you become authentically, but you grow as well, that is that's the goal we should have. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I think it's so so cool how you transitioned from uh, starting with an acting and, and observing the behaviors of actors, which isn't because they're they, because they're they're stepping into a role, and then with the business people, it's kind of it's it's almost like complete change yeah that's a good that's a good analyzation i never thought of it like that i i love it myself i was very confused in the beginning of my career when i didn't understand why nobody knew all about behavior because i thought everybody knew about <laughs> behavior and body language and tone of voice and posture and gestures so when I realized it wasn't the case and that literally people's jaw dropped sometimes when I talked about eye contact or, or you know, interaction in a certain way, mm -hmm. that to me was so surprising. And, and I felt then and there, this is my mission. So that was really nice. How do, you, how do you subtly observe others? Because you also don't want to come off as a creep observing other people's <laughs> I'm I remember Joe mentioned you. that in his book. Yeah. He, oh, that's one of his 10 commandments. Like, <laughs> be subtle. I think it's number 10. Be so subtle about it. Um, one, realizing that you have to be so subtle about it. Um, and if you don't, people will, will see and notice and they will correct you. And I, I made the mistakes in the past. Like, then I, I observe somebody and and sometimes it's helpful let me start with when it's helpful you can sometimes say hey are you okay when you pick up on something mm. um, and they don't necessarily want to talk about it sometimes it's helpful to address it but you have to respect people's boundaries mm. and you have to observe again the comfort and discomfort paradigm so observing isn't the problem i think what you do with it that should be solved that's a whole uh, we can go into a whole nother conversation with that but i think you shared excellent tips earlier in our conversation about what to do with it then how to observe then how to reflect and question and ask oneself how did i show up how did i i noticed my hand was moving or this or that then how do I want to come across? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those were probably the biggest, biggest real takeaways in other than the, the getting feedback from other people is that you really, the awareness of what, how you show up now, then questioning 
what then like questioning after the conversation or the interaction and then really kind of getting clear on how do you how do i want to come across mm-hmm. yeah nice. great all right well thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with me today and i hope uh, i really hope you're doing well and that you continue sharing all this awesome information especially like the helicopter technique and it's uh it means a lot to be able to speak with somebody like yourself here well thank you so much for that someone and thank you for the opportunity and i would say uh, i hope people pick up on your great self-awareness and, <laughs> and journey for searching for growth and new possibilities because i think that's really that's an it's inspirational if people do those kind of things thank you hopefully i can uh, make my sentences shorter <laughs> well uh, maybe you have feedback for me as well you know there's all these things that we can learn all the time no worries there here are a few practical applications number one read the articles by Anne on psychologytoday.com or the different books mentioned in today's podcast the dictionary of body language and what everybody knows are by joe navarro and then the gift of fear by gavin de becker I need to check out that one. I haven't read it yet. Number two, it's important to improve awareness so we can observe a baseline behavior and to see what is and isn't working. So at the end of an interaction or at the end of the day, reflect and journal on how you showed up, meaning reflect on your body language, what you were thinking about, how you were feeling. Also ask others for feedback to gather data, as Anne mentioned Number three, when observing feelings and thoughts that arise, capture them without judgment. This would look like calling a sensation as comfortable or uncomfortable, pleasant or unpleasant, rather than good or bad, or I got to do something about it behavior. It helps you find a real solution, and it actually naturally guides you towards finding a solution to solve it. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out solomonezra.wixsite.com slash solomonezra. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.